All right, we're gonna talk about what it means to be a people of hope and believe, try to get a little bit more practical. If that's, that's what we're gonna do. All right. Uh, one of the things that we've learned over the years is how to root everything into the life and the story of Jesus, not just because Jesus is our savior, but it's really good way. Uh, and it, it kind of answers this question of what are we, what, what, what are we to do? Uh, what are we to do with life? And uh, Jesus in his, in his life uh, offers three commandments. So whenever that great commission, he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. And then he says, teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. You guys know that part? It's right before the really great part, and then I'll be with you always, right? That that teach them to obey. So we ask this question a lot. Well, then what, what are we supposed to teach disciples to obey? Because that seems important to do that part uh, first, uh, or at least to seek to do that. And so what we realize is there's three really big commands that Jesus gives, and, and none of this is going to be shocking at all. So I just like to preface that. No one's going to be like, aha, you're not going to experience that, okay? So I'm glad you got coffee just now, and we'll take another bathroom break in a little bit. Uh, so the first command uh, he gives is that we would love God. That's a weird V. That we would love God. Uh, he, multiple times in uh, nearly each gospel, someone comes up and asks Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And he's, what should we do? And he says, oh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Uh, one of the ways that we describe that in our church is called, we call it gospel enjoyment. Uh, meaning that we've been given this uh, incredible life. Like, how do we love God? Oh, well, we get to pursue him in confession, repentance. We get to be with him. All of that is fruit of the gospel. Uh, in uh, churches where we talk about Jesus a lot, we talk about his death, his resurrection, we talk about the theology of the gospel and all the different aspects of the gospel, sometimes, just sometimes, we can forget that this is all to be joy and all to be something to enjoy and just rejoice in and be like, ah, I get to like be part of this story. Uh, and it, it, the Christian life isn't designed to be, uh, you know, just trudgery through, you know, thick bramble bushes and getting scarred and wounded without any any uh, joy. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, Cost of Discipleship, which scares people away a lot because it's right there in the title, Cost of Discipleship. Uh, and it, there is, there's this incredible cost to following Jesus, incredibly high. Uh, we talk about, it's like climbing Mount Everest, right? Like that's the kind of calling to, to be a disciple. It is like that. But when you're on the top of Mount Everest, I'm assuming, because I've never done it, obviously. But... <laughs> I imagine when you summit that top and you're there with friends and you're there with the Sherpa that had guided you up there and you watch the sun begin to rise on top of the world, I imagine that that's great joy. I imagine it's great joy. And I imagine that the journey itself was really enjoyable and it's something that people look back on. It was hard, but it was joy. I think sometimes what we settle for instead of that great joy at high cost is uh, the, oh, I went and I watched an IMAX movie 
about Mount Everest. It was super great. I got to eat popcorn, full panoramic, comfortable seats. And that's, and that's a different kind of joy, right? I don't remember any of the IMAX movies I've seen. I've gone to a lot. I don't remember any of the planetarium shows I've seen. But I remember looking through some telescopes at the stars, and that impacts you differently. And so uh, when Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, we describe that as, can we enjoy the fruit of the gospel and love him with everything that we are? Now this, we're going to make a list now, and you guys are going to talk. What do you think... uh, and you can't say community or mission because of those, those are the other circles, okay? But you're gonna give it away and I'm not gonna know what to write and it's gonna be awkward and you're gonna feel like you got the wrong answer. So you can't say community or mission, but what are the practices that, that fit into enjoying the fruit of the gospel or loving God? How, how, do you, how can you love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength? What are some of those things? Prayer, Prayer boom. Love it. Prayer, reading the Bible, nice, serving, what else? Sorry? Worship, yeah. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a, that's a, that's a newbie. You can go home and say, I said something that those speaker had there before. Hearing other stories, yeah, that's great. Growing your affections for Jesus. What else? Fasting. Fasting, that's a good one. That also does not come up very often. Yeah. Memorizing the Bible. Nice. Yeah. Mm. I know you guys can't read this, but I'm writing it up there anyway. My, what else? Or any, uh, anything else? Yeah. That's exactly. I know I'm you know, a pastor, so my best worship experiences are supposed to be Sunday mornings, but... When, yeah, to be out on the ocean as the sun is rising is just pretty remarkable. Or to be going down a ski slope. uh, I don't know if there's better worship experiences. You can add other people into it too, so it's communal. But yeah, enjoying creation, such a good one. It's, uh, yeah, there's a... There's now like lots of great books about this, but the, the concept of... Uh, bringing your full self to God. Uh, and, and because we, we might think, oh, we're always doing that. But I have a lot of pretense and a lot of, I don't know, barriers and walls. But could, could I bring my real frustrations, angers, my bad theology to God and, hit, and receive his love back? Yeah, to be known and to be, yeah, and to be loved, to know that you're loved, yeah. That's a good list. So love God. 
And these are some of the things, some of the ways. And so if, if you're in charge of a group of people, even if it's just your home or if it's just you and some friends uh, that you're wanting to, to see grow and discipled and to, you know, the completeness in Christ, one of the things, I think, according to the scriptures and Jesus's commission that we would teach people to obey would be to teach people how to love God. And, and that's not a given. Uh, we used to assume that for so long in our little church movement and then me even leading church, just assume, oh, people know how to love God. Uh, we don't. We know how to love ourselves. We know how to love other. We don't know how to love God. And that's why it gets weird in other places. And, and those, so those are some really good uh, disciplines. So every, every community, if you want to be a community of hope, community of belief, part of what you're doing is going to be teaching people how to love God. And what, you, what we do and what you could do is, is then look at this list of things that we made and kind of assess, oh, what could, we, what could we practice that might create an environment where people could learn to love God? Should we, should we do a communal fast together and explain like this is what fasting is and we're gonna take a break and then we're, we're gonna all get together and we're gonna share a big meal as a missional community and just kind of feast after fasting because the two are supposed to go together and, and just then reflect what did we learn about God? What did we enjoy about God as we did that? Or you, and it, you could say, oh, we're gonna get together and we're just gonna worship and sing in the living room and, and learn how to uh, read the scriptures out loud to each other or let's memorize a big piece of the Bible or a small piece. Like what if we as a community memorize uh, just this verse that, that is just relevant to all of us in this moment? So teach people to love God is, is I think the, a bedrock command that Jesus gave us to become communities of hope and belief. Uh, so that's one. Then he gives a second command at the same time. Uh, he says to love neighbor. Oh man, I did that again. I just want to do LL over and over again. So love neighbor. Or we call mission. After he tells, you know, you're supposed to love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself, then the lawyer says, ah, who is my neighbor? Lawyers are awesome. And so asking the question everybody else wants to ask, who do I have to love to still do this command? And that's when he tells the Good Samaritan story about the man who was walking through the valley of the shadow of death. He gets beat up and, uh, you know, Everything he has is stolen. He's left for dead. You know, two religious people pass him, don't take care of him. Then this good Samaritan comes, sees him, touches him, lifts him up, carries him to the next town, pays his bills, binds up his wounds, and then, you know, promises to return to take care of him. Big mega gospel story in that parable about Jesus and what he does for us. But it's also Jesus's answer to this is, this is who your neighbor is. And then at the end he asks, who was the man's neighbor? And it becomes that Samaritan chose to be his neighbor. Uh, it was a, and that's kind of the dynamic that, that Jesus is setting up. We're all neighbors. Um, so loving others, the mission of God. Uh, I just, yeah, same question. Uh, how can you teach people to love their neighbor? If that's the command, we're supposed to teach people to obey this command. Um, what are some of the things or the practices that you do 
that help you love your neighbor? Eating, yeah. Eating, prayer for them. Yeah, Paul Miller says, I don't know how I could love someone if I couldn't pray for them. Yeah. Also, eating with them is really great. You definitely get past the seven minutes of awkward when you share a meal with someone. Yeah. What else? Celebrating, like parties and stuff? Yeah. I'm going to throw another quote out. Uh, uh, Kurt Vonnegut, he's an author, American treasure. He's our prophet, all of ours collectively. But he, he wrote, uh, this is a long time ago, but what should young people do today? They should commit themselves to curing the terrible evil of loneliness by forming communities. And so I think like conversation, like people are so lonely. Uh, one of the best ways to love a neighbor is just to talk with them. Yeah, to talk to our coworkers, family, friends. You know, I have brothers who don't know Jesus, so calling them and just being on the phone with them and having a conversation is an intense effort of love sometimes, but it's, it's loving to them. Yeah, what else? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say serve them because I can do that faster. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else? Yeah, helping them love God. That's pretty sweet. It's, uh, I have a good friend who doesn't believe who went to church on Easter because, you know, he felt like yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. And uh, he's like, and I did it. I did great. I deleted all... I, my search engine history off my phone and I got rid of, and I unfollowed some people on Instagram and, and I, you know, I, de- I deleted all the sin from my phone so now I'm ready to go into your church service. And it was like, oh, that's really interesting. <laughs> uh, and so then we ended up just having a chat about how like, oh, like, I mean, that, that's good. Like, that is good. If you, you know, but like, why, why do you want to do that? You know, the, the classic Tim Chester, like, why do you want to change? And, and how do you think you could change? And um, actually, you could just go in as you are and receive God's love. And um, he might be more excited about a conversation and prayer with him than you deleted some stuff off your phone. He's like, yeah, but that was easy. Just deleted my search history. Uh, yeah. Anything else on this category? Rebuke, yeah. All right, so then Jesus gives uh, one kind of fresh commandment. Uh, I think a lot of his commandments fit underneath those two categories. But then the night uh, that he's betrayed, he has this great meal with his disciples. It's best missional community ever, right? They, there's foot washing, there's some fighting that some of the disciples have, and Jesus has to put them in their place. They share wine and bread, and uh, there's just, it's awesome, right? And Jesus prays for them, and there's just really, really great missional community time. In my head, that's how I envision it, and the best ever. And then Jesus says, hey, I have a new commandment for you that you would love one another. 
And then he goes on, it's like, there's no greater love than this, than someone who lays down their life for a friend, not about veterans or, but like that, it's amazing that he's like, he says, love one another. And then he says, lay your life down for a friend. And of course he's gonna go lay his life down for all of his friends, but he repeats it repeatedly in a really quick stretch. By love one another, uh, by this, the world will know that you are my disciples. Like that's, that's what he says, uh, that, that these disciples in the room would somehow uh, mutually love each other. And it's one of those hard, really hard words to translate in the Bible because it's love one to another, that like, you love me and I love you back is the way that we fulfill this commandment. Uh, you can love your neighbors uh, and fulfill that commandment and you don't need them to do anything in return to you. But this commandment can only be done uh, communally. Like we have to reciprocate, which I think is just beautiful. Uh, then there's a bunch of one another's in the New Testament. They, they go on to say, uh, rebuke one another, encourage one another, uh, don't uh, gossip about one another, bear one another's burdens. Like there's, there's so many, right? Uh, we're doing a series on it this summer. That's our whole series. It's like the one another's. And so we call that community um, or family. So if we're gonna teach people to love one another because that's the command of Jesus, what are some of the things that you do uh, to love one another in community that you would need to teach people how to do? Sacrifice, Sacrifice? yeah, that's great. Anything else? Accountability. Accountability and then somebody else. I think we can teach people how to accept help. Man, this is such a good group. I normally have to say that one. Like I have put it in my notes to say, accept help. That is like, that is a high level thing that we have to teach people, even to just say, I have need. And what's crazy about that one is, I don't know how you get into the gospel and then grow up in the gospel if you can't say, I have need, yeah. Model vulnerability, yeah. Teach people to be vulnerable. You could also you could throw in forgive or reconcile. That's how you know you have a real community, by the way, is if you fought and actually reconciled. A lot of communities fight, every community fights. But do you move on and pretend like it didn't happen? Uh, do you separate without talking about it? Or do you actually uh, see Christ's redemption uh, as, at the cross together so that then you can forgive one another and seek each other's good? Like that's, that's, a, that's how you know you've got a community at that point. Yeah, this is good. So these are all the... These are all the, the three commands. And these are all, like we said, about love God, same for mission and for community. Uh, it's as simple as, oh, can we teach people how to do this so that they begin to obey it? And that teach them to obey, the obey part is the tricky part. If it was just teach, you know, I would have successfully discipled all of you guys today because I taught, I like spoke some words and you heard them. 
but it's the teach to obey, that you would then go and live out this thing. Uh, that's, that's the real part. So teaching people to obey these commands uh, would be to, to maybe do some of these practices or some of these disciplines and really pursue it even, even for a season. Uh, but what we talk about, these, these communities of hope and belief, which we call missional communities, that right here in the middle, where they all overlap, uh, that's what a missional community is. Uh, that's, the, that's the gist of it. Uh, people often ask us what they're about, and we start talking about the sizes and the numbers and the practices or strategies that we do. But really what it is, is it's we have these three commands we're trying to do together and learn how to do together. Because as I mentioned before, this kind of individualistic gospel that's kind of deteriorating our, our souls and our church, uh, like capital C Church, uh, has said, these are all individual endeavors. You know, you just uh, love God with your own Bible study time. That's it. Pray, read a bunch of books, uh, and do that all on your own. Uh, show up to the worship service that you want to show up to. Loving your neighbor, the neighbors that you want to love and that you want to care for, you just do that on your own. Like we all, we get together, it's a really fun locker room moment, then we all just kind of scatter and um, you just figure that out on your own, how to, and we talk Sunday after Sunday about evangelizing the world and you feel more and more like a failure because you don't know how to do it because you've never done it with anybody. Uh, and the same for community. I'm gonna, I have my own wine club night with the people that I actually like and I'm gonna hang out with only them and it's so good, it's so beautiful. We went to high school together. It's awesome, right? Anyone, is that your life? Did I describe anyone's life? Uh, that's my preferred life, <laughs> so that's uh, not my flourishing. There you go. Uh, so a missional community or a, a community, I think, of hope does all of these things because I think the dynamic of that is for the outside world looking in, they see a bunch of people who might be suffering a lot, but they're doing it with joy, and that's really odd. But they're also not suffering alone, but they're suffering with other people, and they, and the the people around us see that we're suffering in community. And then it's not just suffering in community, but there's a purpose even in some of the suffering and the welcoming in of other people. Like we had a, uh, a boy in our church uh, died and the people around them in the world around them in their community, uh, the family, uh, they saw that, the suffering there. They saw the suffering in community. And then at the, the memorial service, they saw this radical different thing that they've never heard or seen before around a God who weeps uh, and a God who bleeds for the world uh, and to end all suffering. And then they begin to see that even as they continue to grieve, yeah. And so that's, that, I don't know, that's, that's like the dynamic thing to me that, that really displays hope to a world. You can walk that through with many other things. A, a group that reads the Bible together, and then they don't just read the Bible together, but then they uh, hold each other accountable to it, and they disciple one another, and it's like, hey, let's sharpen it. Let's like really, let's do what the Bible said. Like, let's not be a Bible study. Let's be a Bible doing. You know, that's a great phrase. Uh, and then and there's, there's accountability there, and then then the, the neighbors around us begin to see, oh, they're serving me. Why are they serving me? Oh, because the story of the scriptures demands it. It's like, oh, 
The story of God tells me to serve you and to love you. Or, or why are you throwing this Easter party? Because the story of scripture says that he rose from the dead and it's worth celebrating. And so it's all of these things kind of happening together. Now I want you to, we're gonna think really critically about something. So what happens if your community, if you say, hey, we're gonna love God, we're gonna have Bible study, worship, prayer, it's gonna be awesome, and we're gonna do some mission stuff, but this whole love one another is way complicated, so let's not do that. Let's only do love God, love neighbor. So this little, see it's a, you know, it's a Venn diagram for this purpose. So what happens if you just do this little, this little bit here? Or you can kind of describe what that's like. Yeah, this bit. What's that like? Yeah. Your gifting are just saying vice versa. Like he can't do what you do and you can't do what he does. Like sure you can modify in some way, but it's not Yeah, I love it. So you or I don't love it, but I love your answer. Uh, incomplete yeah, incomplete it's like an incomplete picture, right? It's an incomplete mission. Yeah. What else? Totally, like you, you're always there to pass out the water bottles to the people who are thirsty, but you're kind of above it because you don't have a group of people exposing your own desperate need. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah, you'd hide. Uh, it feels a lot Lone Ranger-y, which I did have someone explain to me that he had a partner, but and a horse apparently. But uh, the Lone Ranger, uh, yeah, you just feel alone, yeah, and which you like, and then you you don't like. But and it also it kind of builds this, um, which we. I think we struggle with often is a hero complex. Even with the missionary journeys of the, the apostles and the apostolic team that traveled around with Paul, in our Bibles, we label them Paul's missionary journey one, missionary journey, Paul's missionary journey two, right? You can look it up, that's what it says, I know. <laughs> All the Bibles say that. No, but, but that's not the Bible. Those headings are not in the Bible. Uh, if, you, if you deleted those, you would actually get a sense of Lots of people going. Uh, because Luke, who's writing Acts, says, we did this with Saul and, and, or with Barnabas and Paul or with Silas and with John Mark, and it would be a we. Uh, but we glorify the hero thing. Uh, and then the, the problem with uh, heroes that aren't the hero is that they, they fall and they also burn out a lot. This seems like a, a good burnout, burnout recipe. Um, and, what, and then to your point too, burning out for what? Someone's point. Burning out for what? Oh, an incomplete picture of the gospel. An in, incomplete picture of the mission of God. Uh, which then even back to our, to offer full lasting hope to become a community that's inviting people to know the hope of the living God 
it just won't do it. Uh, what if we did, this is always fun, what if we did, hey, we love the mission, we love community, but this whole gospel doctrine, the truth about God, that's too much. We don't wanna do that. We only wanna grow in these two things. Um, after all, we all attended church service some other time, so we don't need to grow in that way together. What's that like? Country club, Country club that's a good one. Every other religion, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You definitely end up being frustrated, right? Yeah. You do. You have tons of confusion about love. I mean, that's that's a hundred percent. You copy paste that over most of our dilemmas. Yeah. Sorry, someone else was talking. Another way to this would be played out. We have. Religious, less zealous, frustration, confusion around love. If we were just doing, oh, we're gonna care for each other, we're gonna love our neighbors, not growing loving God. It's interesting though, like, uh, yeah, it's, it's real clear to see that, I mean, yeah, this is a very real dynamic in the progressive or, or liberal church. Uh, it's, uh, you all see that, right? It's like right there on the face, too much on the nose. But what's interesting, I think, is often in even conservative or theologically robust gospel-centered churches, we can assume that the gospel-centered stuff, that happens when the pastors are up here talking, that's in the worship music on Sunday, and then in the groups together, because the gospel is is hard, you know? It's like a... It's a knife that pierces the heart. Uh, repentance feels that way. Uh, we can get together and we can say, oh, let's study the Bible, but not look for the gospel in it. Uh, we can pray about our needs and we can pray about the people we're on mission to, but let's not adore God and let's not confess sins to God together. And we can actually, even in, you know, great churches that are preaching a full gospel in our communities, we don't disciple each other into the full gospel. And so that's a, there's a little warning shot. There you go. Not that you guys are doing it, but we all, it's a temptation. All three of these are a temptation. So then lastly, what if we uh, did love God, love one another, and we said the mission, that's for those people that wear weird clothes and move to South America. That's who that's for not for us where we are. We're gonna love each other, sacrifice, trust, care for each other. We're gonna learn to pray and understand the richness of the gospel. That's what we're gonna do. You don't grow, yeah. Definitely. Sweet, selfish, yeah. Mm. Yeah, fake. Yeah. Why why would why does our genuine love for Jesus lessen? Yeah. 
Yep. We miss Jesus because he's a missional God. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we forget. We definitely become like those people in Israel that's like, no, God's going to rescue our city. Yeah, because we're us. And we're awesome. Look at how long we've been doing this. Yeah, there are some others going on out there. Yeah. Yeah, you would have to, yeah, that's a very practical, pragmatic of, uh, which, yeah, there's many reasons churches die, but often when you, uh, you know, get around a church where it's like, oh, they're all the same age, even a, like a young church, right? And they're like, and they don't want to add anybody else. Eventually, they're going to be that church of a whole bunch of 90-year-olds who are also dying. Yeah. And he's like, how did they get there? Oh, they got there this way. This is how they got there. Yeah. Any others? You were going to say something over here? It just creates a subculture, isolation. Yeah. Totally. Subculture. Yeah, you begin to talk like those people... Those people over there, they're the real problem. What those people don't understand is what we understand, which is special and good. Too bad no one will go and tell them about it. Yeah. 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 Is, somebody, is there another one on this one? Yeah. You, yeah. It is. It's purposeless. Yeah. Yeah, and, they, and so all, all three of these dysfunctions or, or disorders, uh, because you're neglecting part of the commandments of Jesus, uh, leads to an inability to be uh, what the world around us needs us to be, and an inability to be what God called us to be, and an inability of what we're supposed to be with each other. And so sometimes we cut out parts of it thinking, Life is busy, life is hard, uh, there's a lot of stress going on in life, and so let's just, let's just cut this little part off a little bit. Or uh, one of my uh, elders in my church talks about he was a professional cyclist in motorsports and a bunch of other stuff after, in his life. He just kind of talks about, it's like, it's like a tricycle. If you just took a wheel off of it, you would go nowhere. Uh, or if, you're, if you had a tire that was flat and you're trying to like bike around, you, you can for a while, but eventually the rim's gonna get distorted and fall off and you'll go nowhere. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's really good. And so back to my, my big deal point of, oh, we have to live uh, or we get to, you could choose to, have to, I'm not supposed to say, uh, is... Uh, be a group of people who's committed to learning how to love God together, learning how to love your neighbor together, learning how to love one another together. Because the, the dynamics of that uh, not only produces a great picture to the world, but it also is what calls you deeper and deeper into hope yourself. Uh, 
the, the, one of the greatest moments of vulnerability uh, in my time leading missional communities was when a guy who grew up in the church said, I don't know how to pray. Like, I do not know how to pray and talk to God and enjoy God. You're talking about that. I don't know how to do that. But what's amazing is now he's teaching a man how to pray. Like a year later, he's teaching this guy who's coming out of addiction how to pray and how to trust God and how to love God and not in a way that's performance-based. It's incredible. Uh, and the only thing that we drew up in that plan was just to say, no, we're gonna uh, relentlessly pursue communities that are gonna follow Jesus and all the commands that he taught us to. Yeah. Um, Last thing on this, and then we'll take another break, but we'll come back. You're not done yet. Uh, is, and I, and I mentioned it a few times throughout, but why is this? This is, to me, the gospel-centered life. It's, it's this. Uh, because Jesus really did lay his life down for his friends. And by that love that he had for the disciples, the world actually has gotten to know and see that. Jesus was the good Samaritan who came to us while we were beaten, bruised, and left for dead, and religion didn't want anything to do with us, but Jesus came, he saw, he picked us up, he bound our wounds, he paid the debt. Uh, Jesus is the one who said, Father, I will do what you want me to do, who went to the quiet places, who spent his mornings enjoying uh, God. He's told his disciples, I didn't do anything apart from the Father. And what's uh, so shocking to me as I read, particularly the Gospel of John, how much Jesus loved the Father and the Holy Spirit. And he, like, he is that. So how do we live a Jesus-centered, gospel-centered life? You know, the one who was obedient to the cross, to the Father, like he's obedient, like that's how we do it, is by, and that's how we get pulled more and more into the gospel. I don't know how you get pulled into it deeper and deeper and find more and more joy in it unless you're trying to follow him in all of these ways.